really like to say that I think the CGM in general could be a very useful tool for both patients and also healthy population. My father, he's a type 2 diabetic and let's just say he enjoys a beer or two with a meal and he strongly, strongly denies the effects of, of these uh, substances on his blood <laughs> sugar. And I think it's a really great tool to actually get the feedback and to really see what is happening. And with that information, with that data, uh, then you can make decisions, you know. And hey, you can you can choose to ignore it, but I think seeing is believing. And when you have to choose to ignore it, like to be an active choice, uh, that's harder yeah. to do. Welcome to What Does Good Look Like? The podcast that brings you healthy care experts with unique insights into what good looks like and what you can do to get there. I'm Anna, and I'm co-hosting this podcast together with Will. Last week, Will and I had a conversation about blood sugar. We started with a crash course on the ups and downs of blood sugar and how this can affect your health, as well as your daily quality of life. We also shared our experiences of measuring our own blood sugar using a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, and the world of insights that this opens up. If you haven't heard that episode already, you may want to start with that, just to get the basics. In this episode, we meet Tomas, a doctor, researcher, and founder of the metabolic consultation service Neo Vitalitas, who's also working with the Melio team. Tomas has recently used the CGM himself, and we thought it would be interesting to find out what he, as a doctor and researcher, has learned through this experience. By the end of this episode, you can expect to know more about how fiber and food rich in fat can impact your blood sugar, and how exercise can be used to reduce blood sugar spikes on cheat days. And if you're thinking of trying out a CGM yourself at some point, how you should plan your own testing can also be useful to learn. Tomás Deray is a Czech medical doctor and researcher currently working in Madrid, Spain. His metabolic consultation service, Neo Vitalitas, offers a nutritional advice and support in metabolic interventions for the management of diseases such as type 2 diabetes, epilepsy and cancer, as well as weight loss and body recomposition. Currently, Thomas is doing his PhD research project at the CEU San Pablo University, studying the molecular and metabolic mechanisms involved in the development and therapeutic responses of high-grade glioma, which is a type of brain cancer. He collaborates with the Melio team to write content about medical and scientific topics, as well as lifestyle interventions to improve our health and longevity. Uh, So hi Thomas, it's uh, great to be speaking to you today. We know that you know a lot about metabolism and especially glucose metabolism already. Um, But we also know that you've been keen to try out to CGM and that you've actually done that. So how come you wanted to try it out? Well, I I think that I I first heard about the the CGM, the Continuous Glucose Monitors technology, back in like 2017-18. Uh, that was around the time I I was starting my my PhD project in cancer research after finishing med school, and I think it was actually from a Peter Atia podcast. Uh, you know, by the way, shout out to Peter Atia. I'm sure you you mentioned him yeah. in in some some of your podcasts, and I think he's doing great work in in the space. And you know, he's not afraid to go a little bit deeper into the science. And I, I really do believe as a medical doctor that in order to, to improve, you know, our lives, 
and perhaps you know uh, going a little bit f- philosophical humanity in general uh, we really have to to understand the the biology and uh, the laws of physics and the molecular mechanisms that govern our bodies and uh, well the world in general so i think uh, peter tia was was telling the story that uh, he was sitting on a plane and he met uh, one of the the ceos of dexcom and that gave him access to the dexcom g6 uh, cgm uh, ahead of its launch and i i was thinking like this sounds really interesting it would be really really interesting to to know blood glucose level at all times but also uh it uh, was really really expensive in the beginning i think it was like in in europe here in spain it was like 400 euros for the dexcom g6 and the metrum s7 which is another company that sells cgms and i said well may- maybe for christmas right but uh, <laughs> i i never <laughs> i never uh, get one so but my my fa- father uh he's uh, also a medical doctor and he's actually a type 2 diabetic uh so maybe more on that later and i had access to a normal glucose meter glucometer from him and i originally thought uh, that for general health purposes you know checking your glucose for example uh one hour before a meal and then after a meal uh that was enough so and when you say checking it one hour after a meal you're talking about the basically the finger prick blood testing yes uh, glucometers yes. compared to the cgms that like the g6 where you actually have it embedded uh, as we discussed earlier so i think uh It, that makes a lot of sense i mean that sounds like so you, you you saw that there was this opportunity to to actually learn learn something new uh, about your body so what did you actually test once you got hold of the cgm first of all i i think that uh, the good thing is that today cgms are much more affordable i mean for example the not to give like specific companies but the freestyle libre from abbot is like 60 euros just for the sensor and that's really all you need uh as as long as you have uh NFC uh need field communication uh chip in your smartphone to get the data and that gives you like a 14 days of of testing which is a much more enticing proposition and you know if you think about it like a dinner with family or friends uh can cost you the same same amount especially if you you know especially if you uh, live order in spain some nice wine <laughs> if you live in spain if you if you live in spain yes, yes, yes. it might be a little bit different <laughs> you'd be on the deck of yeah, ma- maybe even more right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and i i did uh, a series of self experiments the the first thing i would like to say is that if someone is going to order and to get uh, a cgm I would say just don't just slap it on your arm uh but try to plan ahead and maybe to get some baseline readings and uh, perhaps to get some readings on holidays or or dinners with family or or weddings or birthdays that kind of thing so you can know what your normal diet looks like and maybe what a, a little bit of indulgence yeah right so, looks so, like uh, so 
So, so in your case, because it's typically for two weeks, as I remember, the sensor, are you saying a few days or you think of the first week maybe that's where you get your baseline and then you go crazy week two? Yeah, may maybe it's something like that, right? Yes. So can we hear what things you tested, Thomas? So I, I measured my, my baseline diet. Uh, I usually fast during the day, uh, you know, sans the, the coffee or soy milk coffee in the morning when I get to work. And then, then, then I eat uh, what they call OMAD. So that's one meal a day. Right. In kind of like four, six hour window in the evening. And I, I was not really eating low carbohydrate when I was trying it out because I, I was trying and I am trying to, to build some muscle. So I'm in a caloric surplus. Uh, but it was, it was very good to, to appreciate the effect of, of carbohydrate rich meals. Um, I cannot say that in air quotes, you can see me, but <laughs> because I, I tend to think of carbohydrates as, as monosaccharides in the end. But I, I could test uh, the effects of, of simple carbs and perhaps the, the carbohydrates with fiber, uh, mainly from vegetables and strawberries, which are kind of my, my staple foods. I did not uh, test many like rice, pasta, potatoes, but I, I tried them out. You know, I, I don't have anything against uh, rice, pasta, or potatoes as they are great sources of carbohydrates, but in a sedentary lifestyle, I don't really think they are necessary if you struggle with uh, insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, or you're kind of pre-diabetic. I'm, I'm quite young still, but uh, I, I never responded very well uh, to these foods. Uh, and also uh, the interaction uh, with high-fiber meals with the blood glucose was quite interesting. Oh, because yeah, expand. What happened? Yeah, I... I think that uh, an important thing here is to kind of remember that uh, the blood glucose is really a proxy for for insulin and insulin sensitivity, which I, I guess is what we really want to test. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe one day we will have like continuous insulin monitors. Uh, but uh, for now, this is as, as close as it gets. So yeah, I think uh, it offers a lot of valuable information to be able to to see at all times the glucose levels. So, so when you had a high fiber um, meal, did it did it negate the effect of uh, any kind of high carbohydrate that was in the in the meal? Is that what you were going to say? Or? Negate, perhaps, it's not the right word. The response it's quite slower and it doesn't go as high as when having uh, simple carbohydrates, which is normal. But uh, I think. Fiber and fat in the diet can be used as kind of buffers for high carbohydrate meals. So, what was the? Can you remember what the what the meal you tested consisted of? I usually eat vegetables, so broccoli, and they're not especially high in carbohydrates. But uh, when comparing that to, to like potatoes, for example, mm. I think it makes a big difference the content of fiber of vegetables and to having just simple starches with your food. Yeah. I do know that there is a slight difference as well, because if I eat, for instance, mashed potato, it can spike up super quickly. But I had a conversation with my dad, who's tried a CGM as well, and he was actually quite surprised because he had had mashed potato together with some elk meat, uh, which is quite lean, 
Um, and he mm -hmm. also had it with uh, lingonberries mashed with some sugar. So overall, he was very surprised that it didn't go go higher than it did. Yeah, I think maybe maybe the protein uh, from the from the meat uh, would have uh, slow slowed down the, the digestive process a little bit. Yeah. And was there any type of food that surprised you in the sense that it spiked your glucose higher than you thought you would have? I think one of the most surprising things was uh, seeing the effects of, of glycogen depletion. You know, when you read uh, scientific papers or exercise physiology papers, uh, this is kind of a textbook knowledge. Uh, that when you deplete your glycogen, the, the glucose stored in your muscles, then afterwards you are more insulin sensitive and you can tolerate, uh, and I would say like your body can partition and administer better the, the intake of carbohydrates. But it was good to actually see and know for sure. So sometimes at night I, uh, I will have a milk smoothie with, uh, with strawberries as kind of a dessert and when not working out prior to to this meal uh, I, I would observe a super high a spike in blood glucose what kind um, of levels how high did it go what kind of milliliter? like 11 11 millimolar oh wow that is yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's from it's, strawberries and, and milk Yes, is that, is uh, this milk, it, milk, or is this your soya milk stuff? No, no, this is this is milk, milk, and um, milk, oh, milk. Uh, actually, uh, lactose-free milk, so it's already uh, pre-digested. So okay. you already get the galactose and the the glucose. <laughs> right. Wow, eleven. Yeah, and, and after you've been, if you did this on an evening after you've been working out, how how high did it go then? Yeah, when when I worked out prior. Uh, I'm kind of a, an exercise addict, as the people that know me know. So when I did my my standard hour routine before, and this is only strength training, so this is for building muscle, not like glycogen depleting cardiovascular exercise. I didn't see the spike. There was just a bit of a. It went slowly up and then it went slowly down, but uh, it didn't do this this same spike I observed. That's that's a dramatic difference. That's really interesting. Uh, and just partly for my own interest is this. So when you say strength training, this is kind of what squats, deadlifts, these kind of things with long rest periods between. So you're not really depleting your glycogen. I, I do mainly squats and, and then some uh, weight lifting. Right. Uh, and you have like long, long rest periods between. So this isn't kind of high intensity. Interval. No, no. I yeah, I, I rest between. I actually sometimes you know, watch some podcasts or listen to some podcasts so oh, okay. <laughs> to distract the mind and to to you know better make better use of the time. There's a really good one actually. What does good look like? You should uh, you should try and listen to. It. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but actually, so so yeah, I, I think this this uh, is only applicable for me, you know, and uh, it would. Say that my insulin sensitivity is more or less good, mm. uh, and you know I think this this would be a good place to, to say and to remember that most CGMs on the market today uh, they measure interstitial fluid, if I'm not mistaken, You're not directly blood glucose. Yeah. So uh, you know it, it measures the glucose concentration in a specific layer uh, under your skin. 
and uh, I think this this goes with a little bit of delay. So it uses an algorithm to predict the the reality. And when I when I compared the measurements with uh, with the glucometer and uh, the measurements from the CGM, uh, I think that for the for the high spikes, uh, the 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 glucose uh, from the blood was actually a bit lower uh, than than the predicted by the CGM. This could be, of course, uh, within the standard deviation of the of both of the machines, but. Uh, and I think for, for the spikes, it doesn't really matter if it's like 11 millimolar or 12 millimolar. Uh, but, uh, I think the most important thing is to see the stable, uh, glucose profiles over time. And yeah. if you have elevated blood glucose over time, that's when, when a lot of, uh, all sort of problems can, can happen. Yeah. So and that, I think that makes a big difference. I see what you mean. And you can, I guess you can see from your pattern whether or not you have a lot of these spikes from your regular diet, uh, or if you have more of a flat curve with a few bumps, so to say. Yes. The spikes, uh, are interesting because they should go down in a predictable manner if you are, if you have good insulin sensitivity. And when fasted, it's important to look at how high are your levels uh, when fasted. Which is what you typically measure in the morning with a blood test uh, if you, yes. you go for, for, yes. for one. And so how was your overall experience? I think that uh, for, for the device itself, uh, the experience was, was great. I mean, you, you basically don't know you're wearing one. So I would say that when taking showers, for example, it's a little bit tricky and the next time I will use a CGM, I will try to cover it better. But other than other than that, uh, it's really minimally invasive, and it's just a small needle. But yes, it needs to stay in contact with your skin at all times. But I guess forgetting that you are wearing one, that's a very good thing, and you have to remind yourself that you are wearing one uh, because you don't feel it. Yeah. Did you check your data quite often, or? Did you just do a few readings per day? Well, I I, I kind of an obsessive compulsive disorder, so yeah, I, I checked it every hour, uh, and I was uh, like uh, showing people at work, like, "Hey, look at what I'm wearing." But uh, you don't have to do that, you know. I I if I remember every six hours, you can just get the data. Were they were they interested in it? The people at work were they? Yes, they they were very surprised, and I actually talked with some uh, senior uh, researchers, and they would be very interested in in trying it out also on themselves. Mm -hmm. We've okay. started a movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you yes. learned that surprised you? Uh, many things. As I, as I said, uh, I think that uh, the, the glycogen depletion uh, was a big thing. Also, uh, I saw that sl sleep. Uh, as well as stress uh, made a huge difference. You know, even emotional stress or getting stress at work, quite a big of yeah of an impact on subsequent uh, glucose responses. Uh, so I guess we can you know thank uh, cortisol yeah. for so, that. So so it went up. So um, the blood sugar went up after stress. Uh, yeah, more than yeah. more than normally. Yes, and also. I when I have my my coffee with milk uh, when fasted overnight, for example, as as I do like one meal a day a little bit later in the evening, I think that 
when I wake up, I am not really fasted, uh, in quotes. Uh, so my uh, insulin sensitivity in the morning uh, is actually lower than it should be when comparing to some scientific publications, some scientific papers I have read. So this is just a reminder that you always have to check your, your own context and your own experience and not, not base you know, your, your diet or your decisions on, on a study that maybe they did with, with some subjects that ate uh, three square meals you know, of a standard American diet or something. And if you are, you know, low carb or vegetarian or, or vegan or carnivore or, or what, whatever, you really need to, to adjust the conventional knowledge to yourself and your experience. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Very good advice. So is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners? Any final thoughts? Well, I, I was thinking about it prior to the podcast and uh, I, I would really like to say that I think the CGM in general uh, could be a very useful tool for, for both patients and also healthy healthy population. And as I mentioned in the beginning, my, my father, he's a type 2 diabetic and I didn't uh, manage to convince him yet uh, to try <laughs> one. <laughs> it's very difficult, you know. And let's just say he enjoys a beer or two with a meal and he strongly, strongly denies the effects of, of these uh, substances on his blood sugar. <laughs> and I think it's a really great tool to actually get the feedback and to really see what is happening. And with that information, with that data, uh, then you can make decisions, you know. And hey, you can you can choose to ignore it, but it's a little bit harder. So I am also just human, you know, and I understand that some people can choose, you know, to avoid the neurosis of the knowledge of doing perhaps something that's not very cool for the bodies and their imagination that everything mm. is okay. But I think seeing is believing, and when you have to choose to ignore it, like to be an active choice, uh, that's harder yeah. to do. I mean, people that are diabetic and perhaps overweight and struggle a little bit with their nutrition, I think uh, this kind of technology and to have access to information, whatever the information might be, that can make you help make informed decisions and informed choices. I, th um, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a very, that's an excellent, excellent way to end it. And we've seen this in real life with one of our co-workers whose father was an insulin-dependent type 2 diabetic and has managed, while, whilst using a CGM, to come off insulin because he's managed to change yeah, and actually great. reverses his diabetes. So he's, exactly. I think his uh, blood sugar levels are actually below diabetic levels. Yeah. And that's without insulin. So amazing. Amazing. So yeah, it may fun. not work for everyone to, to get those good results, but we do know it's possible. And there are companies now and programs that do help type two diabetics uh, reverse the disease actually. And, it's not just a one-off thing. It does happen to a lot of people. So Yeah. I think uh, there's a famous one at the moment in the US, Verta Health, who is actually using these devices along with dietary intervention to reverse. Yeah. And diabetes. the NHS has a program now as well, don't yeah, they? Low-carb uh, program yeah. uh, where they can also help people. So, so that's uh, brilliant. Thanks, Thomas. We really appreciate Thank it. You. It was very good. And with that, we've reached the end of this conversation with Tomas. But we love to keep the conversation going. So if you have any questions, comments or feedback, 
We'd love for you to get in touch. You can reach us directly by email, podcast at melliohealth.com. Or if you make a post on social media, please tag us using hashtag WDGLL. And if you do like the podcast, please help spread the word. You can share episodes with friends and family directly from your podcast app, as well as leave a rating or review to help even more people find us. Join us in discovering what good looks like so that you and your loved ones can stay younger for longer.